welcome to Ridiculously Imperfect. I'm Emily. And I'm Kelsey. Each week, we share life stories while embracing our imperfections. Life is messy enough. Why not laugh along the way? On this podcast, we embrace life's chaos through authentic conversation. You never know if you'll laugh or cry, and neither do we. Join us in being ridiculously imperfect. Hello, hello, friends. We are hello. back. It is March 7th or yes. 7th. 7th. <laughs> and we are coming at you with a look back on a favorite episode from season one because we are going to be celebrating spring break this week and next week. So yes. we wanted to give everyone a heads up that, you know, we're not really sure what's in store for next week. We might have another look back. We might have a quick little hello, how you doing episode, but we just wanted to make sure we are always respecting breaks for us and with our kids. And then that way we can just fully be present with other things that we need to do. So we just felt like this is a perfect opportunity to look back on what has been probably our most popular episode of all time. Yeah. And it features you, my lady. It does. <laughs> um, it is my personal story. Um, of my cancer diagnosis yeah. and and um we were just chatting i cannot believe it's been three years ago that's just so crazy and it's crazy. almost three years ago to the date march yeah. 8th um was the day that i had my surgery and was determined at that time that that i had cancer yeah and that's why i had been feeling sick for three months um and so in that episode brandon and i sit down and talk with you um, about that journey and what we've what we learned through it and what we're kind of still learning yeah and as we talked about you know let's sit down and we'll chat a little bit to preface um, this look back the difference um, in where I am today oh is like night and day um, not just health wise but me- more so mentally i think and yeah. emotionally um when we talked about that story that was probably well march i think so i had just begun my um counseling journey yeah in that healing um and i think we talk about that a little bit in the story that it had taken me that long to really realize the next steps mm-hmm. um and that was facing what i had been through um and doing that hard work to find the emotional healing yeah and so now a year later after that um i just am so thankful for that that i took that step um and i think the journey for that continues certainly yes um uh but it's just been really kind of a beautiful thing um yeah, so we're just going to have a throwback to that story. Yeah. Um, listen in for the first time or listen again if you want. Um, it's, I don't know, it, a cancer story is never like one that you're like, oh, this is going to be fun to listen to <laughs> type of thing, you know? Yeah. But um, it does come with a lot of just heartfelt emotion like where I was in that um I think we talk a little bit about I kind of struggled with you know 
the concept of myself actually having cancer in my body. And then because my story was a little different, I felt guilty about even sharing it because lucky for me, my, um, I did not have to have chemotherapy or radiation, um, for their treatment. The surgery, when they removed my appendix, um, went successfully. Um, and so I didn't have to have any further treatment. I did have to have some follow-up surgeries, to make sure that I didn't have any um, mucin or cells remaining with the type of cancer that I had. But um, I was very fortunate in that. Mm -hmm. But for me, that was a struggle because I felt like, is it even fair for me to talk about or to say that I had cancer because my journey looked different than somebody else? Um, People in my own family who have, my aunt now is still fighting and and had a... um, a bone marrow transplant. Um, My aunt two years ago that I lost to breast cancer that metastasized um, to her brain. And so my battle was going on at the same time as hers, actually. And so that was really difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And something that through therapy, I learned like our journeys, no matter big or small, no matter the outcome, that's our journey. Right. And you have to feel that. You have to live it. You have to grieve that. And you cannot be worried about what somebody else might say for that. Right. And so I, you know, encourage you to listen if you if you like. If not, that's totally fine. Um, but I would say my heart now is just, you know, when you hear of somebody that has received a, a diagnosis of cancer i don't care if it is skin cancer i don't care if it is a cancer that has metastasized it the word cancer holds a very strong weight um a fear a unknown it it can be all-consuming yeah and so i just really um ask that you know as individuals we kind of just take a look inside of what that means to us um we all have different experiences with it we Mm -hmm. probably most likely know someone who has been through an experience or you know know of someone who knows someone for sure thing um but just to be very um sensitive and open to that um because it can be a really lonely journey and brandon and i talk about that too and we were in it together, yet our journeys were very different. And so um, it just, I think in sharing that story, there's a lot you can take from it. Yeah. Um, and so we were happy to do so. It was a huge, I think, healing step for us too. Yeah. Um, and so it's been really beautiful. And I think, uh, well, I just, I love everything that you've said, but I think it's really important for that to resonate with people that your internal battle wasn't just the physical and the emotional of cancer itself. It was uh, like it was written with guilt because mm-hmm. of what, you know, people usually equate cancer to mean. Yeah. And that's so unfair to you. And that's so unfair to anyone else who has had that same struggle. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, just because I went through years and years of infertility and a lot of other people have and they have a baby. Does that make their infertility journey any different? Does it make mine any different? No. 
in the context of it was our own journey. Absolutely. But does it mean that the outcome was different or the same or that how we've healed from it? And so that's where I feel like, especially with empaths like yourself, it's easy to minimize you Mm -hmm. because of the whole school of thought to be like, that sucked, but oh, that person has it so much worse. So I should probably like, and I just will never forget when someone told me like a storm is a storm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we can have like a label of storms here and then you can have like hurricane, tornado, rainstorm, thunderstorm. It's all a storm. Mm -hmm. And so no matter what storm you're in, you're still in a storm. So why are you, you know, comparing your storm to somebody else's because it's very real and relevant to you right now. And it's hard and it's scary and it's not okay. And it's all these other things. And I know that I, for me, I didn't realize how big, like how crippling that was to you. Mm -hmm. That specific, that specific part, all the other stuff, of course, I knew about. And yeah, it's, I mean, as much as you shared, I guess Mm -hmm. I should say, because I don't know like the inner workings of your thought process, but I know between all my cancer scares where my brain goes and Mm -hmm. that in itself is terrifying. Yeah. And, and I also love that you mentioned, you know, where you guys are at today, because if we were to sit down and have the same like basis of conversation today, it would look night and day different and it would sound night and day different. Yeah. And it's, I just love, I love the healing that's taken place in my life and that will continue to take place in my life. And I love seeing it on my people and it's just, healing looks good on everybody. Yeah, It's a good shade. And it, it's just evident with you two, and even in the next couple of weeks to come for things that you two have going on, it's just, it's exciting and it's good. And yeah. so, I mean, that day after we got done recording, I think we sat in here for at least another hour and just mm-hmm. kind of dissected and we were all crying and yeah. it was, it was really tough. And it also was one of those things that you know, sometimes we have recordings where we're like, oh, I don't know how that sounded. Mm-hmm. And and I know earlier on, you and I both used to be really maybe um, particular. I, I didn't want to use the word anal. <laughs> but, uh, we, we used to be really particular about listening to it yeah. and then kind of dissecting it. And then, okay, it's good. And like, oh, do we tell Isaac to fix that? And then now I know that we've just found such a liberty and like what we recorded is what we, re- mm-hmm. we recorded. And with that one, we knew it was heavy and great, but then seeing the response from people, it was just so affirming of this is why we are pressing into being authentic and sharing really, really real and heavy stuff with people. Yeah. Because, you know, just thinking back, like you were just at the first couple steps of your healing journey mm-hmm. and it is a journey. And does that mean that today you are fully healed? Not necessarily. It's a journey, mm-hmm. but you're a different person today. And that's, it's just so evident to everyone around you. And yeah. I think that's, that's huge. And that just speaks to your willingness to do something about it. And I think that's where a lot of us adults get caught up is that we kind of get stuck in the mud mm-hmm. and we're like, well, I'm in this situation and it sucks and I'm trying to do things better, but then I just keep getting pulled down into it and you just have to really buckle down and make a conscious choice to do healthy things for you and healing things for you. Yeah. 
And that is not an easy, that in itself is not an easy place to get to. Yeah, it's so, not, especially when life continues on around right. you. Um, and when you physically look okay mm-hmm. and you've received then the news that you are cancer free, the world really continues on yeah. and everybody else is can take they've taken a deep breath and they're it's just done mm-hmm. i mean and this is family included yeah and you is the person are sitting there and you don't get to take that deep breath yeah um it's still in your mind like the next follow-up surgery i have are they going to find something yeah. that next ct scan that i have to have in a year are they going to find something um and that was where I struggled. And I held all of that in. Yeah. I didn't even know. I don't think I even knew at the time that that's what I was struggling with. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, as you listen um, or as you, you know, are experiencing with friends or family or just someone that you know right now that may be dealing with um, some form of cancer, just embrace them mm-hmm. with open arms, yeah. with no judgment. Um, if from my story, I can help somebody to just understand that it, it isn't just over. Yeah, Like the person may look okay. They may have gotten the great news, but that does not mean that their journey is over. I don't know that it ever ends. I think it it changes, um, but it will always now forever be a part of them mm-hmm. and their story. And so I think that is something that we can really work on as a society, changing that, you know? Like we've started to change the narrative over um, mental health and things yeah. like that. But when it comes to physical health and wellness and illness and like in these chronic type of things, I feel like society has done this disservice a bit too. Yeah. In, you know, if you can't see it, then it's fine. And yeah. we go on type of thing. Definitely. So just um, embrace those people around you. Love them um, continually. Yes. Yeah. For sure. So thank you for tuning in today. And we really hope you enjoy it, whether like Kelsey said, if it's a re-listen or you're listening for the first time, listen with care. But just we know we know that the story is meant to be shared once again. So after this break, we will get back into it. And this is episode 20. Welcome back, everybody, to Ridiculously Imperfect. Emily and Kelsey here, and we have a special guest in the room. You want to say hi, guest? Hello, everybody. (laughs) You might know my voice. (laughs) It's the one and only Brandon Foster. And today's episode, I'm going to start off with a quick little trigger warning. And so I wrote this down. I don't know why I said I wrote that down. (laughs) I'm reading what I wrote, which says, quick warning, This episode contains content that may be triggering to some listeners as we will be discussing cancer. Listener discretion is advised and please take care of yourself. That being said, that is what we are talking about today is the big C word that a lot of people have had personal experiences with. And I've shared before my experience with my mom. And today we are talking about something that... Kelsey has gone through and that she hasn't really 
publicly discussed. Yeah. So first of all, thank you. Thank yeah. you for sitting here and being willing to talk about what's really, really hard. Yeah. I. It's time, um, for one. It's nerve-wracking <laughs> um, to share our story today, but I am looking forward to it, and I know that God has purpose in it, and yeah. so um, I'm happy to share it. And I will tell you it's going to be difficult for me to talk about, um, really because, like we just talked about before, I'm coming to the realization that two years later, I'm just now entering my healing stage yeah. emotionally. Um, and we'll get into that further too, but, um, so it feels very raw, yeah. you know? Um, but like I mentioned to you, you're like, are you ready? Do you think we should wait? And I said, you know what? I am ready. Like, I know that there's nothing I need to specifically hide about my story. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe, I have been doing that for a while to protect maybe myself yeah. from digging into all the feelings, um, but also my family. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about in our heavy bags, this is one of those things that I have to dig up and um, work through. Yeah. And so after that episode, um, I did start seeing a counselor. And so we're working through this and just the process of healing. Um, is just as important as the process of physically healing in yeah. that moment and through the past couple of years. And so now I'm into the next phase. Yes. So Well, good. And I'm so, so glad that you are taking care of yourself and seeing somebody because our, our mental bodies, like we need, we are works in progress, right? And right. sometimes we just need an outside voice to say, hey, did you think about it like this? And have you thought about this thing? Or, you know, just ask those really specific questions to things that we either have not thought about, deny, don't even see, all of that. And so I love, love, love that you are doing that and that you're here talking about this. But this was, by design, we put this on this specific week of March because take us back, actually, I was going to say take us back two years ago, but it needs to go back further than that. So it's like, what, December? Yeah. Yeah, so we're doing this now because before. I'm coming up on my two years of yeah. finding out that I had cancer. Yeah. It's so weird to see. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so I, um, going back further, I got sick in December of 2019. And I was at work. I was completely fine. I had eaten lunch and it was like, Uh, mid-afternoon and I just had this immediate onset of severe pain like I had not had before um I could not move I could it was it uh, it was unbearable um and I remember I was working in a simulated hospital at the college at the time and so people I worked with were paramedics and nurses and knew you know ways to help me but um they called Brandon and he came and got me and said you need to take her to the emergency room and it was december so it was high flu season and i was adamant that i was not going to go to an emergency room please don't take me there i don't want to sit in this pain forever in the waiting room and so we went home and we're hoping i could walk it off and whatnot but um my symptoms were extreme pain bloating my belly became huge i looked like i was pregnant um 
and then continued to develop other symptoms throughout. Um, I couldn't, I would eat and I'd have three to four hours after I'd eat, I'd have severe pain and constant belching and Mm -hmm. just very strange symptoms. Um, It did subside several hours after. And so I never did go to the emergency room until the next day. Um, I had an appointment. And so a friend was watching uh, my kids. And when I got there, she's like, you look terrible. You need to go get checked out. And I'm like, oh, I'll be fine. She's like, Kelsey. So I did. I went to a doctor that had been my primary for a long time, but was now at urgent care. And I really trusted her. And I went and discussed with her. And she's like, you need to go to the emergency room. I really think it's your appendix. And I'm like, no, I didn't have, I had tenderness, but not a lot of the rebound tenderness and some of the clinical signs, but it was enough for her that she's like, you really need to go. So I, I did. And so this journey then all started on, um, let me see. I wrote it down. Oh, December 5th was when, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I got, it was the 4th, the first incident and then the fifth. And so I went in, I was by myself. I called Brandon. I said, they're sending me, they get me all checked in and do a CT scan and get the fluids and everything. Well, the CT scan came back abnormal with this very large mass. Um, and it said appendix not identified, but they get very alarmed at this mass and kind of like, I don't know, got off track and they never went back to the whole appendix thing, which is why I was there in the first place. Oh, that's so crazy. But long story short, um, that was a very long afternoon I spent there. Um, they diagnosed me with a hydrosalphanx, which is um, like my they thought my fallopian tube had twisted mm. and then filled with fluid. And they thought that was the mass that they were seeing. Okay. So the there's really no treatment for that other than time. And then that fluid should oh, seriously should clear on its own and it kind of resolves on its own. If your severe pain continues, you can have surgery to have the tube removed if need be. Couldn't it rupture? I think that's it alone? possible. I don't I I, I don't like know. But they weren't crazy. when they diagnose it with that, then they weren't in is concerned. They're like, yeah. it's okay, you know, this is the course of action. So, I mean, what are you to do? You went through the tests, you believe them. Um, we followed up with, he also, the ER physician called my OB that night and, um, he's like, do you think we need to take her surgery and all this? And they agreed, no, she can come into the office tomorrow and she'll, it'll be okay. We'll go from here. Unfortunately, my OB was not available. I, he had got called out, I think, or whatever. So I had to see a partner, but he explained the hydrocelphings and everything to us. They wanted to wait six weeks and then do another ultrasound. So, okay, um, but we had like um, a ski trip planned for the beginning of January. Yeah. So it was going to be like before this whole older sound happened. And we said, is it okay? And they're like, yeah, it's fine. You can do whatever you want to do. It's no risk to you. It's fine. So we went and this entire time from that first episode on, I was miserable. I would eat and it was horrible pain. I lived all of those days with a heating pad on my side. Um, it was not fun. Um, and I was, was I, wor- I was working. I was still working through all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
<clears throat> and so just doing the best to keep my daily routine. I felt absolutely horrible. But the but the ski trip coming back. Yeah. That was, was that was scary. when we knew something something else was wrong. Yeah. Because it was that excruciating pain again and it lasted for six hours till we oh got to our halfway gosh. point back home and getting to the hotel we couldn't get to the hotel fast enough. Well, I got so sick after it was the day we were leaving. I was throwing up. I so my family's all like, ah, she's got the flu, and oh. so they were like, in we're gonna get on the road and get <laughs> out of here. They, yeah, they, got, they, were they got out of the house and left before we did, and we're I'm like, who's gonna help me? Like, yeah. I don't know if she can even get in the car. She's oh. feeling so terrible. Yeah, but rough. everybody got out of town like because they didn't want to get sick. I'm like, I don't think that's what's wrong. Yeah, so we made it back and we called the doctor and explained the situation. Um, and then went in for the ultrasound and I will never forget. I mean, as soon as she put the thing on my belly, she's like, um, I'll be right back. I'm like, okay, well, I knew this wasn't going to be good. So she brought my doctor in and he said, Kelsey, I, this, I don't think it's the hydrocelphinx like they initially diagnosed. I think we really need to do an MRI. So we scheduled that and, um, this was like, January maybe beginning of February yeah and um I go and I have that done it's very long like an hour and a half or something and Mm -hmm. I'm already in pain not feeling well and then you just sit there and you think of all these things and the the worries and the fears build and and you can't move can't move and it's just (sighs) uncomfortable to begin with um and so then we go in to meet with him after that and it was again a mass and again ironically says the report says nothing about my appendix which is just bizarre right so it's just this mass and he said i think our next step is to go in and do a laparoscopic so i can go in and see he had ideas that possibly I could have adhesions um, for my C-section, and sometimes they can stick together and have pockets of fluid, um, but he wasn't sure. And there was something that I thought your mom had had it, and so then they thought that might be what was going on with you. I think the adhesions. Is, is that what it was? Yeah. Okay, I couldn't mm-hmm. remember. So then they were like, oh, well, maybe that's what it is because, you know, yeah. you said your mom had this. So Yeah, so we planned the laparoscopic surgery um for march 2nd of 2020 mm-hmm. and just going in thinking you know he's going to go in and fix these adhesions and clean out like that was the whole plan yeah we're, we're gonna we're gonna have some good resolution yeah mm-hmm. like we're is- gonna finally figure it out and he can take care of it i mean this and this guy is really good I yeah. mean, and this he is the knows OB, what he's doing. Right? This is my OB doctor. Yep. To, yeah. He delivered Aiden. Not a general surgeon. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. So we have had history with him. We mm-hmm. trust him. Um, and yeah, so we felt good, really good about all of that. And so it's March 2nd and we go and they get us checked in. And um, really all I remember is waking up and I was in the um, pack you part afterwards like you're waking up mm-hmm. and this other doctor that's not my doctor comes up and he's like Kelsey we um, so it was your appendix and I'm not like really with it and I'm just so confused I don't know who this guy is 
Um, and he's saying he took my appendix out. And I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. You know, and I'm in pain. So they give me more pain medicine. And I kind of fall back asleep. Yeah. And so I don't really understand what has happened until Brady comes in. Yeah, I hadn't even yeah. seen her yet. And that's when they moved me to another area. And he's like, so they had to take your appendix out. And I was like, he's and like, that's what the mass was. By then you're more coherent. Yes. By the time he tells you this. Yes. Because, yeah, then, when you're coming to from all of that, you don't remember things and no. you say weird stuff. and Yeah. And then yeah. my doctor came in, too, and talked okay. with us. So um, he explained as soon as he went in, um, he used, was using the robot. And as soon as he went in, he could clearly tell it was not my fallopian tube. It was not adhesions. This mass was my appendix. Um, and it was very abnormal. So it was not like an appendicitis. It but at this time I don't know any of this mm-hmm. um, and maybe you can share now like w- because when he opened and realized this is not what we thought it was yeah. he stopped the surgery um, and he went and got this general surgeon um, who was about to scrub into another surgery yes yeah mm-hmm. yep and they came in and talked and conferred and then they came out and spoke with Brandon yeah yeah so it's probably maybe 20 minutes into the procedure maybe and both of them walk out the ob doctor and there's someone else with him and i see you know a a file folder and papers in their hand but i I don't know what's about ready to be presented to me Mm -hmm. and they show me i mean detailed pictures that they're like well it's her appendix we figured out what it was which is good um, and they, uh, the surgeon, general surgeon says, this is one of the largest ones I've seen. And I'm thinking, well, what does that mean? Right. Um, why is it so big? Why is it so big? And he doesn't tell me a whole lot of detail, detail, except he's, he said, there's like these mucin cells inside. And I'm like, okay, well, what's that? Cause I yeah. have no idea. And he said, well, sometimes they can be cancerous, but sometimes they're not. He goes, we have to biopsy it. But, you know, he's he's giving me the better picture, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, look, we're going to take it out. Um, he's like, that's what you want to do, correct? Yeah. And I said, well, <laughs> yes, we should probably take it out. If that's, it's way bigger than it should be. It's not yeah. right. Yes, uh, remove it. Um, and that's pretty much the gist of my conversation with them. They, they didn't really have me too alarmed. I'm thinking in the back of my mind, cancerous cells. But I'm like, well, they're going to remove it. So that's good. And it hasn't ruptured. Yeah. So what I don't know is that he already knew that that appendix was, was full of cancerous cells. Yeah. He knew it hundred percent. Right. He didn't want to alarm me cause he's going to take care of it. You know, well, and you really shouldn't say until you have definitive information, right. Correct. but he had seen it before. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. this guy's get... done hundreds of these procedures. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this is, it's one of these things where that surgeon who had seen this, done this many times before, and he has, a, he does it a different way than a lot of other surgeons do because he's, he's had this experience with large appendixes and you don't know the what's, look of it. He was able to see by the look, look of it. Because it, it was yellow. It had a yellowish color um, because it was so expanded in the cells. I mean, you basically could see through it mm-hmm. in the pictures and you could see the cells were there. So he knew to bag it and he clipped it off as far up as you could clip an appendix off and 
most surgeons wouldn't do that. They, they would they would cut it off and try to pull it through the uh, what's that called the incision. Mm-hmm. So, so that yeah. that person being in the right place at the like that's that's God at work right. in our life, and we don't even know what's happening. Right. Well, and her it ruptures once it's outside of her body. Mm-hmm. So does. that set, that tells you like how absolutely fragile this thing was. And she had been on a ski trip and just living life. And I mean, the skiing is what really gets me that she had this mass in her that was so fragile. And at, up until that point, no one gave her information of and what it was. And, and we knew on the ski trip, we're like, okay, she's going to take it easy. We both made that decision. Like she's not going to do anything that's going to put her in harm's way. She still had fun, but we knew it was detrimental that she could not fall. Yeah. And that was always in the back of our mind. Like yeah. she can't fall. Cause we don't really know. Right. No one really knows. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. that day um, I'm texting Jacob and I'm like, Hey, cause I assumed Jacob was going to sit with you and Jacob at, at the hospital and Remember, everyone, this is 2020 March. So this is pre-lockdown. Yeah, no one really knows what's going to happen in the world. You could have a friend or family sit with you in the hospital. Yeah. That has changed so much today, and it's getting a little better now. But I know later procedures, he couldn't even come with you. Like that sort of thing. So which is just sad and scary, but I get it. So anyway, I text Jacob. He's like, no, I I have a meeting and I was going to move it. But Brandon said he's fine. And I was like then I'm going to go because he's not going to sit alone. So I run by your house first to do something. And I chat with, was it your mom there? Was it Mary? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I get your coffee order. Cause I'm like, I'm just going to bring him coffee. And in typical Emily fashion, I go to the wrong part of the hospital and I'm lost for a good 15 minutes, which is so crazy because when I did find you was within seconds of you getting this information from the doctors. Yeah. And you could tell something was not right with my face. (laughs) You looked like you had seen a ghost and I terrible news could have, I mean, I knew something was wrong and you know, I'm thinking about my dear friend and I'm just what's going on. And we sit down and you tell me everything they had just told you. And all I could think and do in that moment was other than pray for Kelsey was just distract you. And so what did I bring up? Construction, (laughs) cabinetry, (laughs) and projects. And I just got you talking about your job and what contract you were on right now and what was the latest with this and that because I knew, like, I can't sit here in this right now and we don't know for sure, but it sounds like it's a possibility. And I just, that was, like, all I could think to do. And, you know, if you want to know how to get Brandon to talk your ear off, it is lawn care cabinetry (laughs) paint colors i'm just kidding but it just that was just so divine number one that i got lost and that it turned out the way that it did because it was just intentional that i showed up at that exact moment and because i can't imagine i can't imagine you sitting there by yourself knowing all of that no and i just having to wait i yeah i mean with with the news of these cells inside her appendix, that that's what got my mind starting thinking like, oh my gosh, like we're gonna potentially go down this path of cancer. Like that's not possible. I'm like, we're in our we're in our late thirties. Like that's you don't do that in your thirties. And then yeah. I also think about all the other stuff we've dealt with that you don't deal with at certain <laughs> right. ages of life. And I'm like, well, 
<laughs> yeah, okay, it's us. It's, it's yeah. us. That's possible. And so then I'm like, and I can't do anything about it, right? Right. Like, I can't do anything about it. And you and, are a fixer by nature. So when yes. Kelsey has an, a problem, sometimes she just wants you to hear the problem. But that's you correct. are always there, guns blazing with a solution. And sometimes that's not always the case. But you are a fixer at heart, yeah. which I feel like a lot of men tend to do that. And that's, we are. That's okay. But yeah. as especially long as it works. Especially for your wife, right? But yeah, but you, you truly can do nothing. No. But, so I'm just hoping that God's got the best people yep. at the right time, at the right place. And he did. And I had yep. no idea about any of it. Yep. It was all happening behind the scenes and they were taking care of her. Right. And that's all I could pray for and know about. And and that's it, which is, yep. I don't know. In that moment, I I wasn't as scared as I was until after we found out. Like when we learned all the we details. we learned all the yeah. details and I'm going, I should have been way more freaked out in that moment. But I wasn't. So, you know, is that... You were shaken. Yeah, is that that supposed to be the peace that God's (laughs) mysteriously giving you at that time because you don't know? And if you knew, you'd be in much worse shape. Uh, I I don't know. Those are those moments that you you can't fully explain. True, but why you aren't as scared as you probably should be. There is probably an element of your mind protecting you from that day because you were shaken, and we've been friends for a long time, and I've never seen you like that. So. You probably are having a memory of being at, like, feeling a calm. And that's definitely Jesus helping you through that moment. But you were terrified. And that's why we didn't talk about it. We just talked about other stuff. Now that you're having me rethink some of my, (laughs) you know, things that were happening that, I mean, I had my work stuff with me, folks. He had it out. I had my, my tablet and drawings, and I'm inputting things, and I'm working while this is all going on. Not really even thinking how serious it really is or could be because I'm trying to distract myself at the same time. And I, yeah. And you truly do love your job. Like you love what you do. I do. It's kind of sick sometimes, but. (laughs) But so then it's just like it. It is fine for you to do this rhythmic thing. I mean, I was working on podcast stuff last week when Jacob had a procedure because that's what you like. You what else can you do is sit there and worry. And mm-hmm. so then it yeah. is nice to have something to just busy the mind. Yep. So then later we find out, um, and I don't want to talk over things, but so we, t- we talked about how it ruptures mm-hmm. and that's where, do you want to share a little bit about when you guys get this information? Was that that day or was that at an, at an office visit? It was at the follow-up office the, visit. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So did you go with her to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when we got to actually like really meet this surgeon who <laughs> yeah, performed who, the procedure. Yeah. We had no idea who he was. Yeah. So go go ahead, honey. So well, I was trying to think. Bef- um, I think we went and saw him before we. No, we got the results before. We did because yeah. I will never forget that day. So that was that's when we my had surgery the was of, on the second, and it, I got a phone call. That that's surgeon when the questions called me really started flowing in, um, like that we could ask because yeah. now we knew the results. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, 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 the wonders start going through our heads and the questions start piling up and well, and up until this point, really not much has been shared with me. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About it. And other so than it other ruptured than after he took it out, they are going to biopsy it because it looked, you know, suspicious yeah. for these possible cells. Um, and so I really hadn't put much 
thought into it, honestly. Yeah, all we um, could do is speculate at that point. then were there at that time. They were in route when I was in surgery, and so they were there when mm, I came right. out. Um, but I got the call a week later on March 9th, and it was the surgeon, the general surgeon who had taken it out. And I just remember the shock. It was... It was just utter shock. And it's like the word, it's just the word cancer. Yeah. Um, it's just like a gut punch. And I'm not sure that I heard anything else that he said. Um, but the biopsy did reveal that it was a low grade mucinous appendiceal cancer. Um, low grade is good news. Um, because it had not ruptured yet. And so, but that's all I heard was cancer and I didn't know what it meant I didn't know you know what that meant to come um it was just overwhelming but I remember him telling me that and then it was he's like I'll see you on Wednesday it was two days later we were going in to see him and so we were kind of just left in this you know um I do remember him saying surgery surgical excision is the cure like you get it out Mm -hmm. um and it, as long as it's not ruptured in your body, you know, that's 98% cure. You don't okay. need to do anything else. But I was just in complete shock. And I remember just sobbing and breaking down. And I'm like, I can't call and tell Brandon. So I called you. And I remember just collapsing on the living room floor. And you just immediately praying over me. And you said, I'm on my way. But, girls, you really need to call and tell him. So, I did. And I have no idea what I said. <laughs> Don't remember at all. I'm I'm trying to remember that you did call and tell me. Like, I, I think it's one of those things where I, I've erased it. Like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to think about it. I mean, that's like one of the worst things. I mean, cause then at that point you're like, okay, what I thought in the waiting room, here we are, we're there and I can't do a thing about it. Once again, I'm helpless and I can't fix it. I can't do anything about it. And as a man and a husband and for your family and you can't do anything about it except sit and wait for doctors and people who know what to do about it. I mean, that is, that is a helpless, I mean, debilitating feeling to know that you, you're just going to sit and watch and wait and pray. I mean, that's it. So really, honestly, I can't remember when you called and told me, like, I don't, I don't want to remember it. I mean, that's just, you just don't want to. Yeah. I get that. Oh gosh. Because I, I remember it just. Not necessarily the details, but that moment. Like, I can tell you exactly where I was in my house and what I was doing. Yeah. Because it was just one of those, like, you know, worst phone call in the world. And, oh, and just thinking, like, you know, selfishly, I've had a lot of loss in my life. And the thought of you being taken from me. I'm not even thinking about your family because obviously <laughs> they matter too. <laughs> but just my journey to finding you and the friends that I have now has not 
been the easiest or without a lot of hurt. And then, of course, I'm immediately like, well, this would happen to me. The, one of my absolute favorite people that walk this earth. Like, I, I can't lose you. And I know that that's not where my mind should have went. And I know that that's not the things I said to you. But that's how I felt was just so, like, betrayed by the world. Mm-hmm. And and of all people, you, you have been through so much. Like, just even medically, you've been through so much. Emotionally, you've been through so much. And it was just not fair. And cancer isn't fair. So, if you're listening and you are in that journey right now, I, I'm sorry. It's not fair. It's, it's hard to make sense out of these things, especially when we do believe in what we believe. And... But at the same time, we also just have to have faith that yeah. God is going to pull us through. Exactly. So, you you call me, you talk to Brandon. Um, what was it so like just, telling your parents? Uh, it was really hard. I think they, as soon as I called and they answered the phone, because then I just start crying like this, they knew. Um but I didn't do it twice because they weren't together. Oh, gosh. Um, so, that was really hard. And I remember my dad just being like, it's a, it's okay, Kels. It's going to be okay. We'll do whatever we have to do. And, you know, very reassuring is his, like, go-to coping. Yeah. Um, but it's just... It's devastating. Um to have to share news like that with people that you love yeah because you haven't even wrapped your own head around it and then the thought of burdening those you love with that um is a lot and you had not actually had a full conversation with the doctor at this point this is just you got the results you're gonna have the appointment in two days Mm -hmm. yeah so we had the appointment then two days later and um with the surgeon and he explained to us um that you know about this cancer and what it was it's very very rare like one in a million i mean so i like to say that now i'm one in a million (laughs) you are but um (laughs) another thing it's like yeah that would happen to me those rare things um but then he explained about you know if they had said immediately on the scan oh yeah it's your appendix it needs to come out he said when they take out a normal appendix, they just reach in there with two fingers, pull it up. And he said, Kelsey, if they had done that, it would have ruptured. So, um, throughout this entire journey, God protected me over and over to line this up so perfectly that my story has been so different. Um, and so, because he knew that it was cancerous, he did a different technique, put my appendix inside a bag inside of my body and clipped it like Brandon explained. And then when he pulled it out, it ruptured outside of my body um, immediately. But he was still very confident that none of that mucin and those cells had escaped inside. Because will you explain if they had what that would have meant? So it's like almost like a jelly in these little cells and they go everywhere in your abdominal cavity. Um, and those cancer can just stick to everything and they don't 
like invade other things, they grow new tumors all throughout. Oh my gosh. Um, but appendiceal cancer can also be a primary start for other cancers. So, um, I luckily did not have that. The mucin had not spread. There was no rupture. So, had that happened, um, you have to go into a very extensive surgery. They open you up and they do what's called a hot chemo. And they literally fill your abdominal cavity oh, with this hot gosh. chemo. And you, you're you under anesthesia, but you lay there for several hours while you're getting this treatment. So, it would have been very extensive um, course. Yeah. you know, a treatment to go through. And I'm just so thankful that God protected me and spared me mm-hmm. from having to do that. So um, for me, surgery cured me. Um, but when you're in the midst of it, just hearing that is not very reassuring because no. there's still so many questions and what ifs. So we decided to seek out an oncologist. Good. Um, and we went forward with that. And I got to see him on March 18th, which was right after my birthday. And so um, that was an experience in itself. Um, Just they sent me a whole packet, a welcome packet to the cancer center, had my name printed on it. And I'll never forget opening that. And I was just like, I, you know, now that's part of my history, like, I am a cancer survivor. It just seems so weird to say that. And sometimes I also feel that I don't have the right to say that because my cancer journey has been different than others. And I didn't have to forego um, chemo and radiation and all those things that these people endure in these long journeys. Um, But you do have every right to, you are a cancer survivor. That is a definitive, factual statement. You are. And I know every single journey is different. And I know that firsthand, every single journey is different. But you are a survivor. And just because you didn't have chemo doesn't make your story any less less than or less impactful or jarring to all of you. Yeah. I think that's what I'm in beginning to learn and understand now and work through and that's the big story that I want to share today is just that um it does impact no matter what that looks like for you that cancer um it still has the same impact you know for it's just the word the weight that that word carries in itself that immediate like everything stops around you but it's also spinning at the same time shock and awe just the gut punch i believe to be real for everybody no matter what what diagnosis is you know that they're receiving with it um and it just kind of throws you into this place of survival mode i feel like and then your journey begins and you go and you push through whatever that is you have to do and you can come out um you know, I came out victorious over it and with a story to tell. But what I'm learning is last night as I was just thinking through all this, like, God, what is it you want me to share? I think I've shared before in my episode, you know, about my life Mm -hmm. and all the things I've gone through. I've always said, 
I tried not to focus on why me? Why is this happening to me? But instead, God, what do you have for me through this? What do you want me to share? What do you want me to learn? So same thing through this story. Um, I'm still trying to figure that out. But what I do know is that in that moment when he said, you know, the cancer is gone, we've removed it. That was a moment of victory right there. Mm-hmm. I The cancer was no longer in my body. However, it's not how I felt. Right. Because I was afraid. How are we sure? The yeah. cancer could, you know, there might be cells in there somewhere in months, years down the road. Something's going to come up. Um, and I believe that, you know, for many who have experienced any form of cancer, it's always with you. And I want you to know, and your loved ones and people listening to know that just because people have faced something and overcome, had a victory, or even whether they're going through something right now and they may seem fine, there's a place inside they're not. Like, that always lives within us. Just a fear and an uneasiness. Mm-hmm. And same with um, maybe they're not at a place yet of facing the emotion part of it because you're on that survival mode instinct and something I thought of last night was during that time emotion was removed because I don't know that if emotion had been part of it that I would have been able to continue through um, as I did and so now um, we followed up with the oncologist um, and they had seen this many times and I remember Brandon asking the question can you please tell us if you would they had seen all my scans then up at this point and he said could you please tell me if you had seen that original scan would you have known right then what it was and he said absolutely but I remember us leaving that day and we're like had that emergency room taken me in for an emergency apodectomy the cancer would have been all over my body yeah so I just am thankful that it just amazes me every time I think about it, oh. how God worked this out over and over again, saved oh. me from the ski trip. And I was so sick. I really was so sick um, and miserable um, to the second time, you know, in the MRI, but just putting all those things in place to have the correct surgeon at yeah. hand that day that I was supposed to be there. So um, I'm just so thankful for his protection over me in that. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Now, I do want I know you told me this and of course I don't remember, but can you give reference to like the size of a normal appendix and then how big yours was a normal appendix is like your thumb okay it's kind of like a little thumb hanging off um in there okay mine was 10 centimeters Mm -hmm. by four yeah 10 10 by by three three or four four. yeah wow so i don't have a reference yeah i don't have a reference to like what it was the size of that. I don't remember if they told I, you. No, they didn't really reference anything. They just said it was extremely large. 10 centimeters by four. I mean, that's like the size of a small orange. Mm-hmm. And that's and it's supposed to be your thumb. So yeah. to give anyone and myself reference, just think of that of like a small fruit versus your thumb. Like that's yeah. 
how big it was. Wow. That's, and so one thing you mentioned was that it can be one of two things. It can be like the start of cancer being elsewhere. Is that because of it rupturing or is that just in some people, like it starts as this type of cancer and then metastasizes, then it's everywhere. Like, do you know the difference? I don't remember. So if it ruptures, then um, you do have to go through the chemo because it will spread. Um, but I can't remember exactly. Yeah, they didn't. I'm really, sorry, I don't. They remember. didn't really no, tell us. Okay. Yeah. Anything else? I, w- one of our one of my big questions was like, did you go up far enough on the large intestine? Yeah. Like, how far did you go? Was that far enough? Did you? That was one of my biggest things that I just kept asking. Like, was it? How far up did you go? And was that far enough to take off all anything that would have been cancerous that's attached to her? Because when they said it can go elsewhere, that's all I'm thinking is, oh, Mm -hmm. it's in her large intestine, possibly. We don't know. You know, and I'm like, gosh. So I guess the thing you haven't shared is we we did a we set a follow up six months. Yeah. So we met with the oncologist. They had read all the reports. They were happy with, you know, the pathology, everything that had been done. Um, and so they didn't feel that we needed to do anything immediate at that time. Yeah, no they checked my blood and all that. Or anything like that. But he wanted to do uh, another laparoscopic surgery in six months so he could go in with his eyes and visually see and make sure that there were no other mucin seeds, they called them, or tumors that had started anywhere. And so, um, it, for six months, I did my best went back to normal living i was still having pain yeah and my symptoms all still continued um so that was a bit frustrating too and why and we couldn't really get any answers to that um i had that summer then i think in june they did an upper and a lower endoscopy to make sure that nothing had gotten into my colon Mm -hmm. and everything was fine with that Mm -hmm. um i thought you had an infection in your throat well so they did find that but that um, obviously is not pain down correct. where your stomach yep, is. But it was very odd, and they still don't know why. Um, but they treated me for that. Um, but the pain, he said, well, he's like, I don't really have an answer for that. Because the appendix and the cancer didn't, that isn't really, the symptoms I were having is not indicative of that. Mm-hmm. And my pain was very high in my right upper abdomen. I felt like a fist constantly under my ribs. And I'd have to sit in awkward positions and stretch out. And um, so all that continued. And he said, I don't have an answer for that. He's like, but it very well is the reason that led you to, you know, finding this. Right. It was the definite. It was it yeah. was the only reason. He yeah. said most people don't don't even know it, that they mm-hmm. have it. Until it ruptures. Until it's ruptured. Yeah. So he goes, without that ref- somehow referred pain up in your, especially on your right side, he goes, you probably I, he goes i probably wouldn't have saw you mm-hmm. you wouldn't yeah. have came in and it would have been a ruptured appendix and then they would have thought okay it's a ruptured appendix right like an which i know that's a terrible thing to begin with but like that can be super painful make you really sick and he goes then they would have went in and said oh my gosh like that's more than just a Working ruptured. With something different yeah, yeah. we've got it yeah so yeah so it was kind of a weird period of that six months waiting um, and then September 3rd of 2020, I went back in and 
<laughs> it was nerve wracking. You're kind of like re, we're like reliving yeah. it over again, like the right. first procedure and surgery. We feel like we're going through it again. And I, you know, I'm sitting there waiting, just going. I hope we don't. I hope I don't get a, a news report that you know people come out to me and <laughs> with yeah. like something else. Yeah, but this know? was the one that you um, you had to drop her off. And I know that that right. was so the because this pandemic is the begun, pandemic. Yeah. But we were told prior to that you could have one person mm-hmm. and obviously masked and whatever. But um, we get up there and that was not the case. And he had to stay out in the waiting room and they take me back. And it's very early in the morning. I mean, we had to be there like at six. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then that's startling in itself. And right. then you're left alone, you know, in your thoughts and just waiting and all of this. But um, I go back and <laughs> I come back to the PACU and you're waking up groggy out of it. And I am like in so much pain and I cannot breathe. And I'm like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. And it, it's all scary in itself. So I don't know yet what they found from surgery. And then I'm like in this really weird state of pain and hard time breathing. And there's nobody around to help. I don't have a family member because they don't want him back there. Yeah. And I'm literally by myself. And they come in and tell me that they didn't, he didn't find anything. He didn't see any um, cells. There were a couple places that they did biopsy um, to make sure. Um, But, and there was a but, unfortunately, they had nicked my lung and I had a very small pneumothorax which was causing all my pain and my difficulty breathing. So I had to stay for observation for the entire day because they needed to know whether they were going to have to put in a chest tube and I would have to stay or if I was, you know, if it would seal itself and I would be able to go home. Right. Um, So they did an x-ray like every, I think, three hours, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was a super... A scary time just because I was alone. I didn't have a very good nurse. Um, and I felt really helpless. Um, and that was hard. But gosh, just that whole day being alone is just yeah. enough. Le- and luckily, her phone pain. worked. And right. Face- yeah. And FaceTime mm-hmm. worked, which was a really great thing. Because, I mean, I couldn't go back there. And I'm, you know, once again, yeah, we both feel helpless. We can't help each other. We can't Mm. be with each other. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was a really tough day. But luckily her lung did heal enough or it sealed or whatever it needed to do. The pneumo didn't progress. um, And it was at the top of my lung, which is good. So they were able to release me. um, And and that would just heal itself over Mm. a period of time. Which was a pretty long period of time. Like yeah. you were sore for, but it a long time. led to um, that night. Um, I remember we got home and my mom was there uh, with our kids and just the pain. I mean, I could not breathe. I could not get comfortable, and. It, I was scared. I mean, I was scared and our kids are witnessing this. Yeah. And it was, that was very traumatizing. Um, well, cause you had to lay on your side a certain way just to be able to breathe. 
Well, and at one so point I had to, I was literally laying on pillows like over the top of our counter um, because I could not. I mean, they were like, do we need to take her back to the hospital? And um, so that was very tough. But it just that experience then kind of was just an eye opener for us about the effect it also was having on our kids. Yeah. We'd done a really good job up until then of, you know, protecting them as best we could. And I was putting on my best face and everything I could do to cover up, you know, they, it already be, had already become their normal that mommy didn't feel good a yeah. lot. Like this has been our whole, you know, pretty much year. Um, but then to see that pain and that fear, um, was really traumatic for them so um when you say that you guys protected them does that mean they had never been told the word cancer in those six months so no we originally did not say anything until we knew for Mm -hmm. certain and we were gonna have a conversation about um our son was young enough at the time it either way it wasn't gonna make a difference Mm -hmm. to him he wasn't gonna be able to wrap his head around it but charlie was old enough um and so we were kind of trying to figure out how we were going to share that but we wanted all the details we wanted you know all the doctor's appointments to be done before we did that but i remember one night her having a breakdown Mm -hmm. because she knew something wasn't right And she was upset that she we she felt like we were keeping something from her. And I remember we told her, but we were able to share them too that it was gone. Yeah. And um explain all of that, but I think we learned a really good lesson in that moment that um it was okay for us to kids are really smart. Yeah. And it was okay for us to share our emotions and be open with it. And going back, I feel like I would have maybe had her, brought her in on it sooner. Yeah. Um. So, like, she knew me going into my uh, endoscopies and mm. into the second surgery. She knew. Okay. It wasn't long after um, we saw the oncologist that that came about. But then I was heartbroken, too, because I felt like she was she felt betrayed yeah and then that really bothered me when you didn't feel like she doesn't deserve to have to feel that way and have to think about those things yeah right. i was just trying mom. to protect her the yeah. worry the fear the what ifs the because mm-hmm. she's emotional and she's a feeler yeah already so for her to know the facts and then know that her you know her mom is okay now but in her mind she still thinks that mommy could be gone yeah i mean and i think um the day i remember her struggling with it and she said mommy i thought you were gonna die because to a kid that's what cancer is that still gets me yeah and something that I won't be working on because I just feel like, you know, all that my family did for me, all my friends, all of that time where I just did not feel good. I wasn't myself. Um, you know, and people carried me through. Um, I look back, I just feel like a burden. 
um in different ways and i know that's not true yes but that is um just me (laughs) so um yeah i can't remember where we were before that but but so because i was asking about you telling the kids yeah so it's whenever she has this breakdown is when you guys tell her everything no or it was before that yeah um well she came and said she thought something was going on yeah but then her it was several months after my last surgery which was the most traumatic to them because Mm -hmm. of how much i struggled with that recovery um that's when she came to me one day in the garage and and explained how scared she was because she thought i was gonna die okay yeah and that's the difficult part that i i feel like probably a lot of people listening have been in a similar scenario where you you get news on yourself and at what point do we tell our kids Mm -hmm. and even if the news because i know for me i've had a couple breast biopsies which have frazzled me to no end and will probably continue to do so till the day i die because of my mom's experience my experience with her but the last one like i wanted to tell danica because you you saying it is so right kids are smart like you yeah. know when when their mom's not their mom and something's going on and you know you're laying over the countertop trying to breathe and i'm sitting on the couch with like an ice pack mountain around my boob like they know they're yeah. like that's not normal behavior right and um that was just a conversation that jacob and i really struggled with and i don't know that we would have done it any differently because the first time around like we didn't tell her mm-hmm. at all but she knew something was wrong and she knew that mom was crying a lot and she asked and I would just tell her I'm dealing with something, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I really hope you guys don't kick yourselves about that. And like you said, you learned from yeah. it, but it's also, it's hard and it probably varies kid to kid. Yeah. How they, t- how they take that information and how they internalize that information exactly. as well. So, yeah. and okay. So kids know, you have this surgery, they they biopsy. You get the results how quickly that the biopsies are clear. Is it like a week? Probably two weeks. Okay. Yeah, yeah somewhere around two. 10 days or so, 10 days to two weeks. Mm-hmm. So you're already like in an immense amount of pain and then the worry is creeping back in mm-hmm. and fear. And how, how, can you guys talk about the emotional part of now that waiting game of getting those biopsy results? I think I was so caught up in, I'm sure it was in the back of my mind, but I was trying to get through each day Mm because I was really struggling. Um, And in the midst of all this, I forgot to mention, I started a new job. Oh, that's right. In April. And I was supposed to start in March, but because of the pandemic, it kind of got pushed back. And then I had to tell her, well, I had an unfortunate diagnosis and I'm dealing with this. And they were, you know very kind about that and said take time Mm -hmm. and i started in april so as i'm going through all this i'm also navigating a new job and so when i had that last surgery i didn't take enough time off and i remember asking and i said well they nicked my lungs so i'm also healing from this and so she's like you could take as much time as you need well i should have listened to that and i took i think an extra day or two but i will not I remember going back to work and being in a procedure and I was like, I am not physically well enough that I should be standing here doing this. Um, 
And so I think too, in this past two years, in that space I've been in of just survival mode, mm-hmm. I've not physically and mentally healed. Yeah. Taken that time. And so that's where I am now. My goal to do that. Yeah. But I think I was in a space at that time I think in the back of my mind I was probably anxiously waiting like what is it Mm -hmm. and then what would that mean what would be next um thinking I'm not sure if I can do another surgery right now because it just I mean it was one two your body I mean just just the healing part alone is just but crazy I mean so we got that was great news and that was um we went back I think in October well, maybe and followed up with them. Well, and he, so the, when the surgeon got done, he, he had me, he had me come to a room. He talked to me privately, which this is the, the cancer doctor. Um, he gave me a lot of reassurance. Um, and, and I don't know how much reassurance he gave you. And I mean, just coming out well, of surgery, I was out of it. I mean, they know, don't share much it. with you right. really. It's very basic. Cause you're not really hearing what they say. Yeah. Right. But when he came in, he was his, you know, demeanor, his, the way he sat down in the chair, just like he was very relaxed. He felt very confident. And he, he just told me, Hey, everything is fine. She's good. Mm-hmm. We took the biopsies. Um, but it was, it was what I needed to, to just get through that day. Yeah. And to know that, you know, hey, my wife is not going to have to hopefully go through another, like, chemo's not in our, hopefully, you know, not going to be in our in our future, any other procedures in the near future. Like, he felt really good about what he didn't see, which is what I was hoping for. Yeah. Um. But I think for you, I mean, you're the one going through it literally, emotionally, physically, like, you're not feeling that same way especially with the pain you were in. Yeah. But that helped me to not dwell and think about the what ifs. So I was able to kind of just be there for you and help you heal and, and all that stuff without having to have this in the back of my mind, worrying that we have another thing coming. Um, that, but that having that one-on-one with him, that helped me to really be, I guess, more at peace to like, okay, now I can just, we can do the survival mode thing. Let's take care of her and get her healed up. Um, so, And something about you is that you like to hold your commitments and you don't like to disappoint people. So thinking back on you going back to work, which I feel like all of us told you that's a terrible idea. <laughs> You're yeah. not well enough. But that's <laughs> yeah. just down to your core who you are. But that's also is is a wonderful thing about you, but at the same time, it makes sense why you haven't really invested in your own healing journey emotionally, your Mm -hmm. emotional healing journey, I should say, because obviously like you can fully breathe now and all of that, but you still have these episodes of pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And don't know why. And she doesn't know why. Yeah. That still plagues our minds every month. Like, yeah, She'll have a slight attack, and we don't know why. And so, just kind of a reminder, like a flashback, a little bit to it as well. But I think so. After that September, then and they cleared me, and everything was great. Um, 
then it was a year follow-up after Mm -hmm. that. And when that came up this past September, I was not prepared (laughs) for the flood of emotions that that was going to bring. Yeah. Um, And that was really tough. I don't know why. Just to go to that building. Yeah. To know that you're headed to that building is terrifying. Well, and just the scan and like, what are they going to see? And yeah, mm-hmm. it um, is. But then, so that was just a tough day. I think, I think it took me back to sitting in the space and all the feeling that I mm-hmm. kind of had not felt throughout. Yeah. Um, and then the overwhelming of what if you kind of start going there. Um, well, you relive it again. Yeah. You pretty much relive the past, you know, two years prior mm-hmm. again. Yeah. I mean, you can't help but have those thoughts and those feelings and yeah, the what ifs come back. Here I am. I'm going for this, you know, checkup. Seems like a really basic thing until you're like, wow, this checkup could turn into another six months to a year or something else I don't even know about. Yeah. And every time I'd go in, you know, they put a band on you with your name and everything. And that was always just so surreal, but also a symbol that made it so real to me. Yeah. Um, but it was also only something that I could feel, mm-hmm. which was weird. Um, because to, you know, others, I was done. I was healthy. It was removed. You're clear. It's great. And, um, what I'm finding is we talked about a little bit earlier that I had the victory over cancer. And I remember that last day. And after this last September scan and he said, Kelsey, you're free, you're cancer free. We are going to release you. We don't have any concerns that you need to continue following us. Mm Um, was amazing and a huge weight off my shoulders. However, it did not, that victory did not erase and take away the pain of the journey. Yeah. And that's the place I'm in today is coming to terms with that mm-hmm. and realizing that um, it's okay to have all this emotion and everything. Yeah. But now it's time to face it and work through that. Um for what it is and and get to a healthy place with that, I guess. So at the time of essential diagnosis, did you ever seek professional help, therapy, counseling, any of that? No, I didn't. And I, I don't, I mean, there's no answer as to why. I, it honestly never even crossed my mind. Um, and I think it was solely because I was in, I call it survival mode, but I just knew, okay, I have all this going on, but I also still have to be a mom Mm -hmm. and a wife and I have my job and I still have to do all of these things Yeah, that I didn't know how to have space for that and still be okay enough to get through all of the things I had to do. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, of course. So I don't know if that's a coping mechanism I used in that time. Oh, I think it absolutely is. Yeah. Uh, if you throw yourself into all these other things that are already 
part of your day to day, then it'll help just distract. Yeah. Well, we've we've become pretty good at survival mode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we started that very early in our <laughs> in our journey of life together. Mm-hmm. And we got pretty good at putting our head down and just plow through. Yeah. And we're going to get through it and and that's what you say to yourself. We're going to get through it. We're going to do it together. And let's get out, let's get to the other side. So we get to the other side and we don't even realize what we went through. Yeah. Yeah. And this is kind of the same way. I mean, you bear down, we're going to get through it, and then we just want to get out to the other side. And I think from a guy's perspective, that's, we're good at that. Like, we're, you know, we're going to get through it, we're going to, we're going to resolve, we're going to fix, we're going to bear down. And then when we get to the other side, we're going to just kind of like, kind of act like we didn't go through as much as we really went through. Mm -hmm. Because we just want to get to the other side. We want to, we want to move on and look to the better days ahead. And I don't want to relive the past any more than I have to. Not the bad things in the past. And the tough things. You just want to move on. So you kind of, you know, I like to say I, I, I bury it in a shallow hole with just enough dirt over the top of it that I don't have to think about it. But it's always there. Mm-hmm. And something can bring it up and trigger it if it's the right thing that tr- that brings mm-hmm, it up. Yeah. You know, the right statement, the right situation in life, another event. And then you go, okay, I... I really didn't bury that as deep as I thought I did. Um, but even then, you using the word bury, just bury does not equal liberated and yeah. at peace and at freedom and with this and healing and yep. all of those things. And so that's where I, it's interesting to me to hear you speak on this just because I, I mean, I know you, but just how how you've come through this and how you have essentially like worn a mask, not that you've been fake or anything, but you're masking these things because you're right. If we don't talk about it and we just keep pressing forward, eventually it's going to feel like it never happened, Mm -hmm. but that's not, I don't feel like that's the, the the way to go to move on to a better place with something like that. Oh yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I, I think you, you know, you, you, you want to move on to like, you like, you want it to be better again yeah, as quickly as possible. Um, and then when you get the, you know, these, these good victory moments like that, that was what, what kind of helped me to say, okay, l- let's, let's move forward. Yeah. You know, even though I know she's got a lot of stuff that, that she needs to talk about, get through, and she's still dealing with, um, yeah, I, because I want her to to feel better, you know, to yeah. move on and feel better, and and not have to have those memories and thoughts and emotions creep up, you know, randomly. I mean, you don't know when they're going to happen. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certain triggers for everybody and things in their past and things that they've gone through that they hear it, they see it, and it's like, oh gosh, I remember that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's it's kind of what you were talking about earlier, Kels, about focusing on the victory. Like, that's what people see, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just remembered the first day I went back to school after my mom had died. And, you know, everyone, you know, condolences or not talking to me mm-hmm. because they didn't know what to say. And, yeah, uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Yeah. But then, of course, that eventually stops. And then no one ever asks you how you're doing. And no one ever checks in. 
And so my reality now is I'm moving forward in my life without a mom, but everyone's like, oh yeah, that's the girl whose mom died a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, your lens is huge, but you're obviously going to carry this with you forever. Mm -hmm. And it's very, like not long ago, my, who was it? One of Someone in my family, they were like, how's your girlfriend doing who had cancer? And it took me aback because I was like, oh my gosh, like, yes, she's great. And she hasn't had an issue since. But because my lens is I didn't walk it the way you did. Mm-hmm. And you have been healed from that. But that doesn't mean that you don't have all these scars. Mm-hmm. And by us not talking about it, it might seem like we don't care. And that's certainly never the message I want to give somebody. Because, you know, I... Like, we, hey, Brandon, how you doing? I'm good, good. Okay, great. And then you move on. Like, mm-hmm. no, but how are you doing? Like, what is really, like, how are you handling all of this? Mm-hmm. You know, how how has this changed your mindset of things and how you, your behaviors and your actions and your choices and all of that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, and that's, you know, what I, the message I want to give today is that it's just, we all know somebody who has either had a family member or personally been there um, with cancer in yeah. some way or form. And I think talking about it is so important and just asking that, how are you doing? And sometimes it's even a more pointed question because I'm sure you guys right. have asked me that. And I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but so sometimes it takes a little bit digger deeping, <laughs> digger deeper digging <laughs> I, I can't talk to yep, you gotta, but, you gotta um, write the second yeah. <laughs> you know because sometimes too in those moments i'm i probably didn't even know myself how i was doing yeah you know and so um just to love those people with empathy and kindness mm-hmm. and a text message or reaching out hey i'm thinking of you something as simple as that is really impactful and I had much of that on my journey. But too, if you have people close to you, to reach out and just say, hey, you know, some of those deeper questions and have you thought about talking with somebody? Um, it, until you asked me that today, it's not something that I don't think I had talked about. I know I had tried several times to do journaling, but I just was not in a place to that I wanted to go there yet. So that just never got very far. <laughs> But um, just know, I think the biggest lesson to take is that when people go through, it could be anything, any trial, hardship, it doesn't have to necessarily be cancer. A chronic illness comes to mind too. Just mm-hmm. because that um, time is over, that season is maybe over for them, or you can't see a hurt, or mm-hmm. you can't see loss doesn't mean that it doesn't continue to exist for that individual. Yeah. And so your, you know, continued presence in their life or checking in on them and things like that carry so much weight and are very valuable in that person's journey too. Yeah. And just healing. And I think for self-recognition of, you know, oh, they asked me, how, how am I really? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of power in that. So, and it's not like you were being insincere in your, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. Because like you said, you probably wouldn't have even known how to answer. But right. if someone were to press you on that, 
do you feel like that would have been helpful at the time? Or do you think it's most helpful to just continue showing up and continue showing up? Like, what do you feel like? Honest, I don't know. I think continuing to show up is super important. Had somebody said, hey, Kels, have you thought about talking to somebody? Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know what my answer would have been at that time. Hmm. I don't know if I would have been ready for it. It honestly would be nice. And I do remember the Cancer Center talking about that they had something. Mm-hmm. But coming out of this on my side and my journey, you know, and what that looked like, um, how important that is in itself and the impact. Like, I can see how important that is. Yeah. And I see so much value in. But like I said, at the moment, I don't even know if I knew I needed it. Yeah. So, because um, I knew they had that available. But I never did seek that out. Well, I think most so. people, when they go through something traumatic, I mean, the the first thing they're not they're not thinking about. Okay, I need to go talk to someone about this because, I mean, you're 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 mad, you're fearful, you're frustrated. You, I mean, you're and you go into survival mode. I mean, you're just not thinking. <laughs> who I I need to go talk to somebody about this besides like your closest spouse yeah. or well, loved like one. I said, I feel like um, I could kind of removed a lot of the emotion from it because I knew I would break down and wouldn't be able to get through. So I don't know until as of recent, more recently that I've been aware of these really deep feelings of that. I never, I did not take the time for myself to grieve through it. So, and I think that was just my way of coping and protecting my family at the time. I think I was trying to be strong for them, especially my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, because I just didn't, I don't know. I was just trying to protect them. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we, um, last March, around her birthday, we kind of tricked her into thinking that we were going to be celebrating her birthday. And our tribe was here, and we made this sign. And I can't remember what it said. Obviously, it said, like, um, it said, screw you, cancer, or something like that. Um, it said cancer came, Kelsey fought, and we won. Okay. Or something mm-hmm. like that. And we just have this beautiful video of her running through this sign. And um, and she thought she was showing up for like a birthday dinner. So that was... <laughs> that, and so this is coincidentally coming out two years to the date yeah. of that. Um, March 8th. So, yeah, that was... Uh, that day was so special. And you guys made shirts for me, which I have mine on right now. Yes, she is wearing it. And it says she is strong, Proverbs thirty one twenty five. But just pulling in and seeing all my people, um, aside from my family, but my people that had walked through this, through this with me, they're cheering me on and celebrating me and celebrating, you know, what we had overcome. What? at first I didn't know I was like what is happening because I thought it was my birthday and then when I could read the sign and I saw their shirts I was so overcome with emotion um, and still today thinking about it I think even at that point you know oh I had a penicill cancer but I still don't know that it had registered at that point even that I had cancer in my body um 
And so it was just so special, just celebrating in that and the recognition of, you know, we don't know what this life brings in day to day and how important and special it is to celebrate all these small victories, big victories, and just gather around your people and love. Yeah. Like I cannot um say that enough. So that was so special to me. So then when this comes out on the eighth, that was a year ago. Was that on the eighth? Mm-hmm. That day? Okay. I couldn't remember the exact day. Um Yeah. Yeah. And we just and it was what I loved was Chelsea and I had conversation of should this just be the adults here? Like, you know, my kids at that point, still, we hadn't really told them. I think Danica knew, but the boys, definitely not. And I probably the same for the rest of the girls. And so being able to just show up as a full community, not like excluding the kids, because this is real life and this is what we do. When, when our people trip and fall, we pick them up and but including the kids with that that's what that's the kind of love and friendships i want them to have and i'm so thankful i have that now i'm so thankful i have that now. but i just the the joy on their faces of even the little ones not really know why we're celebrating but they're excited yeah (laughs) and we had like the yard was a mess, so maybe there was confetti. I don't know. There was. We have a you lot shot of confetti, confetti cannons at me. <laughs> Streamer cannons. <laughs> but I think as much as it is fun and whatever to get together with your friends and celebrate, just to acknowledge acknowledge the journey and and like you said, I don't I don't know that you fully were like embracing the whole i'm a cancer survivor thing yeah Uh, but it's real and true and everybody's journey is different and it's kind of like just the comparison game in life we shouldn't we shouldn't fool ourselves into thinking that our story isn't as important because it's just different Mm -hmm. and we all matter we all have these really huge things in our life that has happened and um yeah yeah I'm just, I'm so glad you shared. I do want to share one more thing before we get closer to wrapping up. But um, my mom, when she was in hospice, like a little before that, she knitted these blankets for all of her friends. And I didn't ever get one. (laughs) And so uh, a couple years ago, and like blankets, they're Afghans, they're huge, and they're beautiful, and they're soft, and... A couple years ago, my cousin asked me, she's like, did you ever get one of your mom's blankets? And I said, no, I didn't. And she's like, I want you to have mine. So she she gave it to me. <laughs> and um, in my family, it just became the Grandma Evelyn get to feeling better blanket. So like, I have a picture of Knox on the couch with a busted lip because he got hurt at school and he's wrapped in Grandma Evelyn's blanket. <laughs> so it's just it was the feel better blanket and (laughs) i gave it to you on loan yeah just knowing that you were gonna feel better (laughs) and i just i had to tell you the story behind it everything because i don't think you really knew i think you knew that my mom made it 
But then for my birthday that year, which is a full lockdown, you gave it back. <laughs> and that just was... Just, oh, I, I can't even put it into words how amazingly cool that was. But just that when you gave it back, I was a little uncertain because I'm like, are you better? But it just like it gave me confidence knowing that you had so much faith that you were good and you were. Yeah. And you were better. I mean, outside of like the, you know, lung getting nicked and everything that was <laughs> yeah. going to inevitably happen. Yes. But just I... As someone who has navigated most of my life now without having a mom, I feel, I felt so special getting to share a piece of her with you. Thank you. And I felt, I remember opening that and I did know what it was because you had told me that story before. And I remember... We were sitting in my kitchen and I was just speechless. I just started crying because I knew how special that was. And it really kind of signified to me how special I was to you. And it just, I will never forget that moment. And thank you for sharing that with me. Well, I was happy to. <laughs> but I, um, I also want to say, too, and this might be a good perspective for you to give. So this was, you know, two years ago. Since then, I have had a, bio a breast biopsy that was super scary. And I was scared to share with you my feelings because I, I wanted to protect you, kind of like how you talk about protecting your mm -hmm. kids. Can you speak into that for maybe anyone else who has their own story that it is? It's kind of like what Brandon mentioned earlier about it just being a trigger and making you remember like, oh, my gosh, all these feelings are coming back. Like, can you speak to that? Um, I didn't feel I personally don't feel like I ever want anybody to protect me from that because I feel like. God brings us to things and through things to be a resource and to be um, maybe that solid rock for somebody else, yeah. right? And so being that I've been there brings a different perspective and feelings that I have inside that I can express but won't be qu quite understood the same as to somebody who I could share that with that's been in the same shoes. Yeah. Um. So I feel privileged to be able to sit alongside somebody um, and share that, to share the story or just to sit with them right. in their space of uncertainty and fear because I know exactly what it feels like. Yeah. And it's not fun. And I feel like now I will, that it will always be like sitting in a waiting room is not going to be the same for me anymore as it was before, you know? Yeah. And that's okay. Um, it's just going to be different. And if I can share that or just be there for somebody else that's in that position, I'm happy to do that. And I think that's what God, you know, has called me to do. Yeah. So I don't want ever, anybody to ever feel. And I think for a lot of people who've been through um, cancer or something would feel the same way that um, they would be happy to be there by somebody's side. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, good. And I know I did talk to you about everything, but I just had this moment of like, kind of, you know, that imposter syndrome of like, well, yours was real and I don't know the results of mine yet. Or I know I have to have this biopsy and it's going to suck. And then I just, and then I sit and wait. And Mm -hmm. so that's where I'm sure that this has happened with a lot of groups of friends of like, you know, you are scared to share your hurts because you might compare it to each other's and we shouldn't live like that. No, we shouldn't. (laughs) That's got um, Satan written all over it. Yeah. Doesn't mean that it's those thoughts aren't going to come anymore, but we should totally not follow in that action of, you know, isolating or not sharing because that's totally not true. Right. Our strength comes from each other and pouring around each other. And I can't admit, I mean, the number of times we all gathered and prayed over one another through all of these different things um, is so impactful. And speaking of that too, our kids seeing that. Yeah. And how you navigate hard times in life and hard things. It's with people around you and in prayer. And if that can be part of our testimony and our teaching to our kids, it's, there's nothing better to see it firsthand. Definitely. So, yeah. Brandon, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you wanted to talk about or any like, I guess one thing we didn't touch on was your perspective as the husband going through this and uh, being the significant other of somebody getting this really devastating and scary news. Do you have any advice other than bury it in a shallow grave and forget about it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, definitely don't try not to bury anything (laughs) unless you have, you know, you really talk about it first. You know, if you want to, do that a little bit fine, but yeah, definitely talk about it. I mean, cause I, I, I didn't, um, talk about it as much as I probably should have. I didn't bring up a lot of my feelings and my emotions. Um, I, I cause I think the thing I, you know, I just go to survival mode and let's get through it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, the worst part about all of it is you just feel helpless. You know, the spouse feels helpless. Um, and the only thing you're you're thinking about is okay. How do we get through this? How do, how how am I going to be there for the person I love the most in this world? And and, and then you know we have our kids that we're trying to figure out mm-hmm. what do you what do you say to them? You know, and you know we made choices not to we didn't say as much to them as we should have. You know, and obviously I didn't want to say anything to them that Kelsey would not be comfortable with. Right. You know, yeah. so see, then I, because if I would say that, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going against her wishes, how she feels and what she wants our, the kids mm-hmm. to. Well, we wanted to do it together. And we want to yeah. do it together. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not going to, I just wouldn't, I would never do that. Um, Cause then they would come up to Kelsey and ask her questions and she's like, who told you this? Well, dad did, you know, that's really going to make her feel, you know, terrible and just a whole flood of emotions that she doesn't even know how to deal with. Uh, you know, your, your little, little one coming up to you asking all these, all these questions. So, um, so you're saying communication and remain a team is what you're saying. Yeah. And then if, you know, if you've got anybody else that, you know, you know, that, you know, let them know that they can ask you questions. 
Yeah. They can talk to you. And if they know somebody who's been through something that you're going through or anything close to it, let them know Did that you you're feel an open book. Isolated ever? I I really didn't. And I think that's because of, you know, our group of friends and family that we have, especially our friends here, that's our community. I mean, I could talk to anybody at any time and anybody's there for me, mm-hmm. you know. And they were always reaching out. Yeah. And people are always asking you questions, you know, how are you doing? What, what do you need? You know, do you need us to help with food? You know, you, can we watch the kids? You know, when's the next appointment? You know, whatever you need help with. Yeah. Um, which made that, you know, the load that I could that I would have carried if we'd have been somewhere isolated with no family, no friends, anybody by us. It, it would have been a totally different, you oh, know, yeah. feeling for me, the situation. Um, yeah. So it, it allowed me to be there for Kelsey emotionally and, and any other way I needed to be there to get her whatever. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I just think there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff I haven't thought about until today, yeah. you know, just hearing Kelsey say more about how things that she's thought about and felt and hasn't really brought up, um, you know, with us even talking about it. Cause we have not talked about this in an in-depth way as we have today, um, to really process like, <laughs> wow, this is what we really went through. Because it's scary and it, it is, is triggering. And it also, um, it just, it's hard. <laughs> and then just taking into account that you're, you know, you're regular married couple with a couple kids. You guys don't get a lot of time to sit and talk about our feelings. Right. Like when I just was laughing the other day, like Jacob and I, like when we did have a few moments together, we were talking through logistics of the week. It wasn't like, how are you? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. What are you and dealing so, with right. over the past however many months or so whatever like it is? just like carving out the time. And I think that this also is a good reminder for me and anyone else that if you're in a relationship with someone and there is this big mountain and nobody's talking about it, like, I guess that's a terrible example. It should be the elephant in the room. What did I call it the other day? The pink elephant? Was that you? No, I don't remember that. <laughs> I, I gave it a color, and they were like, no, it's just the elephant in the room. I don't know who that was. Maybe it's my sister. I'm picking up what you're putting down, though. It all makes <laughs> sense. The, the mountain, the elephant, the, Something the pink really elephant. big. Like, if there's something really, really big that has happened to one or both of you in your relationship, and maybe it's something that happened prior to you even getting together, um, I, I would just challenge anyone to make that space to talk about it. And it's going to be hard, and it's mm-hmm. going to be uncomfortable, and scary but it can also just provide a level of healing that you haven't had before and also i feel like this might be good perspective for you of like you said like you're hearing these things that she said that maybe this is the first time you ever heard that or you're reminded of how hard this has been yep oh yeah i think this is probably just the beginning of our healing our emotional healing yeah. state. We're physically healed. Um, and now the emotionally emotional healing journey will begin. Right. Well, good. And it's crazy to think it's this far past. Right. right? But <sighs> that's okay. Yeah, that is okay. Because you're doing it. Yeah. And you're doing something about it. It's not just like 
okay, next week I'm going to do this. Or like the whole, I'm going to start my diet on Monday thing. Like you're actually, you're doing it. You're in process. You are talking to someone. And I think that's absolutely wonderful and commendable. And I think that especially anyone else dealing with anything similar to that or long-term illness, that it's just the power of talking to people, whether or not it's a professional, like, just please do it. Yeah. Do it for yourself. Yeah. Um, and like I said, a lot of times when I'm in conversation with somebody, it might be the first time I'm like, oh my gosh, did I just say that? Yeah. I didn't even realize that I was feeling that way or that I'm dealing with that. Um, because you get just set, this is what I have to do to make it through my day to day. And you might subconsciously be putting, packing those feelings and things away and not taking the time to face it or to speak through it with someone. Um, and you kind of fall into just, I don't know, I don't know what the word is for it, but bad habits for yeah. sure, in a way, you know yeah. what I mean? And not facing things and well, maybe you think life that, just goes on. And you maybe think that, well, nobody wants to sit around, you know, who wants to talk about that? Yeah. Or what yeah. good would all it do to dredge up my past? I kind of yeah. feel like I've heard yeah. people say that. Like, well, I've already lived it, dealt with it, moved on. And then maybe you're dealing with it wasn't the way you thought you dealt with it. Yeah. So, yeah. So I just, I really hope and, you know, pray from this that whether you are in whatever capacity you have encountered, you know, cancer or some chronic illness or anything like that, um, that if you personally experience something, you would just kind of do, you know, a self-assessment of how am I really doing and have I faced what this, the first time the therapist said, Kelsey, you've been through a lot of trauma. I was just like, kind of taking it back. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had not, I think it protecting myself and others allowed myself to feel and accept what it really was. Right. And so do a self-assessment. How am I really doing? Mm-hmm. Have I worked through this? Have I grieved it? Have yeah. I talked to somebody about it? Um, that is a whole part of the healing journey right. when we encounter these things in life. And um, I'm very surprised myself that I, it's, you know, I'm coming up in my two years mm-hmm. of being cancer free essentially from the date of my surgery, but that it's taking me this long to see that. Um, but I'm happy that I'm here. I am so thankful that I am cancer free and, um, that this is now the next step of my journey. Yeah. So I'm happy to share that. And then for the other people who are on the other side and maybe know of somebody, Mm -hmm. I just encourage you to reach out and step up, whether you're a spouse or a friend or a neighbor, or you just know somebody. I just saw a post somebody put the other day. I don't know the lady at all. I know the person who posted it asking for prayers and mm-hmm. or if you wanted to send cards or a meal train for somebody dealing with cancer. And I'm going to do it. I don't yeah. know that person, but I can tell you that that goes a long way. Yeah. And even years down the road. So, um, yeah, I hope that is encouraging awesome. to yes. somebody today. Thank you guys so much for for this thank you thank you for sitting here and asking yeah. and the hard questions crying my face off <laughs> so we uh we felt like it wouldn't be appropriate to do our rapid fire questions 
today, but Kelsey had a really wonderful idea. So do you want to share that? Yeah, I would just like to in in a prayer today. Um, I had so many people pray over me and pray with me through my journey. And I think it's just so important to know that you're not alone in whatever space it is that you're in. There's a heavenly father who created you and knows every everything about you and you are never alone. He's right there beside you. And whatever space and journey you're on, he is orchestrating all things for your good. Um, and so I just, I'm probably not going to be able to say the word pray okay. <laughs> because I'm just going to break down. <laughs> but um, I did just want to pray for our listeners today and any um, of those that have been affected by cancer um, in one way or another. Okay. All right. So you want me to do it? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes. Are you okay <laughs> with yes, that? I have okay. more than I don't know if I, I it would just, come out very well. <laughs> I might cry. I might cry too. But um, all right, here we go. And if, listen, if you are not the praying type and this makes you uncomfortable, then just know this is what matters to us. And that's why we're doing it because we want you to know that how significant it's been to us. So yes, here we go. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, uh, thank you so much for just this opportunity to sit here with friends and have this raw conversation about one of the hardest things they've ever had to deal with. Thank you for healing for Kelsey over her body. And thank you for her continued healing of just her emotions and how she processed it. And God, we know that today in this very moment, at the moment we're recording and at the moment that people are listening to this, that there are people out there with very, very real struggles. And there is someone who is waiting on the test results and they're terrified. And there is someone who did get the test results and it's positive where they got the test results and they don't have cancer, but then that's still a big part of their emotional journey because fear is such a monster. And Lord, we know that you can crush that. And we are just so incredibly thankful to be able to have an opportunity to build relationship with you and with others and build community and lean on each other, God. And so I am just praying for that listener right now who feels alone and feels like they don't have a community. God, I pray that you just make a way for that to happen for them so that way they don't have to shoulder this burden alone. And anyone who is listening and maybe they have had zero cancer effect on their life or anyone that they know, but maybe they are dealing with some really, really big, incredibly big hurt and they they are walking through this alone. God, I pray for that individual too. Life is hard enough as it is. And we just need people near and dear to us to lift us up when we're down and to hold our chins up and and help us get the sunlight on our face. And Jesus, thank you so much for that. So we just pray an immense blessing of love and light and healing to anyone who is in the thick of their own medical storm or personal storm, God. We just pray peace, healing, love, hope, and joy, and all the emotions that are hard to find when you're grappling with something so heavy. Thank you, Jesus, for 
this podcast. Thank you for the opportunity to sit here and talk. And thank you for just loving us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> I wanted very to share much. too that, because um, I think I can say a song, right? The name? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so my anthem. You just can't sing it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> No lyrics. No lyrics. My anthem song throughout my entire journey was Sea of Victory by Elevation Worship. And that um, gave me the continued hope that um, evil may have come and the cancer, but God was going to turn it for good in my life. And I would see victory. And I did. Um, And I'm so thankful for that. But check it out. It's Sea of Victory by Elevation Worship. And I hope that it brings someone else hope as well. Yes. Absolutely. So thank you guys again. Thank you. (laughs) This is a lot. So next week we are actually sharing, which hopefully will be part of a series. We don't know. But we're going to share some fun vacation stories that yes. listeners have sent in and they are fun for sure yes. <laughs> fun and crazy and uncomfortable and just all sorts of things so um we just we wanted to provide some levity next week after this heavy hitting episode yeah so well thank you for the privilege of letting me share yes, and for those of you listening thank you and um much love to you today yes you too you want to close us out and you, are you going to join us, Brandon? Remember oh, what to say? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm not going to miss out. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Well, until next time, keep, keep it, it ridiculously, ridiculously imperfect. Thanks for listening to Ridiculously Imperfect. Become a member of our Ridiculously Imperfect lifestyle by visiting us on Patreon. Sign up and receive special member-only benefits. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ridiculously Imperfect Podcast. If you love what you've heard, please give us a review and a five-star rating. Your reviews make our hearts smile. This podcast is produced by Emily Eaton and Kelsey Foster. Our sound engineer is the one and only Isaac Moreno with Kingdom Comes studios until next time keep it ridiculously imperfect imperfect.